I, I don't smell bad. Thank you, wife, for still sitting next to me. Last week, we were in the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul was talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, while there may be some ambiguity in defining, understanding, and applying those uh, as charismatic gifts of the Spirit, there are several bedrock truths that really help us frame our understanding of Holy Spirit gifts. And the first truth, I think, is if you were being led deeper into reverence and praise and love for Jesus Christ, you can trust that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're progressively surrendering to and delighting in the Lordship of Christ, you can trust that desire. You know where that desire is coming from. And another truth that we can take a hold of is in verse 7 of chapter 12, where Paul tells us who gets a gift of the Holy Spirit, and he tells us what the gift of the Holy Spirit is for, or what it, that gift is about. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Who gets a part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Everyone who is a part of the church body. And what is the purpose of that gift that is given? It is for the common good. Because each of us has something that we have received because each of us has a role to play. Uh, each one of us who's here has something to give. And further, we know that the gifts we receive, they're not for our personal exclusive enjoyment, although there may be some personal enjoyment that comes from spiritual gifts. But primarily, those gifts are for the common good of the church, for the building up of the body of Christ, and for making us into a community of God's people. Do you not know what your spiritual gifts are? Then it's possible maybe you have not been pursuing the common good of the church. Now the Holy Spirit will give as he pleases, and every one of us is undeserving and unworthy in some way. But the real spiritual powerhouses that I've known in my life, and my judgment's not perfect, um, but the ones who I've seen who have had the greatest impact on people around them and the greatest impact on my life, they are people who have been sold out to the common good of building up the body of Christ. They are people for the Lord, and they are people for the Lord's church. And the Holy Spirit helps honor that. And it shouldn't surprise you that if people actually want to be like Jesus— the Holy Spirit's going to help make that happen. That should not be a surprise to us. So by way of reminder, here are some ideas that I, wanted to sh I shared last week about gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is my list, the Calvin list. The Calvin list may not be right, uh, but these, I think, are true things that I believe. We have everything we need to be a faithful expression of the Lord's church in our particular time and place. And it may not feel like it because of the trajectory of this culture, because the ways that church uh, uh, and, and our, the way we express ourselves, our love of Scripture, our love of the Lord, there's differences now, and there's tension now, 
And if you take on the mantle of Christianity as a disciple of Jesus, if you take on the name of Christ, that is not a popular choice in many circles of our culture around us. In fact, we are viewed more as a part of the problem than a solution to some of these problems. But we have everything we need to be faithful to the call we received for our time and our place. Um, 21st century, Eugene, Oregon. Sometimes elements of various gifts are assumed under different labels or roles. And so we maybe don't have people in our church who we would say, oh, they're a miracle worker, or they have a gift of prophecy, or they have a gift of healing. And yet some of the work of prophecy and uh, some aspects of healing and those things come uh, in different ways, and we maybe understand them and, and, and label them a little bit differently, and yet I think that they exist. We have everything we need to be the Lord's church in our time and place. Many great gifts of the Spirit work quietly and humbly and are sometimes hidden in mundane things that go unnoticed by most people. I know that that's true in my own life, and I think that's true in your lives in the church, that I don't even think to thank the Lord for all the good things that He's constantly doing for me and giving to me. And um, it's impossible. Every breath I take, every we exist and we live in the gracious gifts of our Lord. And I think all the gifts Paul mentions exist in some form or another in the church universal. And uh, we, we have everything we need to be a local congregation of the, the Lord's people here. And that might look a little bit differently than other local churches, other parts of the world, or other places. But I think in some form or another, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they do exist in the body of Christ. Uh, I speak, I used to not believe that, but uh, 14 years in Africa forced some of this upon me that I had to try to understand this stuff a little bit better. So in our text today, we find that this entire discussion about gifts of the Holy Spirit, it cannot be separated from Paul's ecclesiology, his understanding of the church. Spirit gifts are for the unity and the blessing of the church, and the way Paul brings this understanding home to the Corinthian believers is through one of his favorite metaphors— that is, he describes the local church as a human body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So where does the source of oneness come from, the source of unity? Our oneness finds its source in the Holy Spirit. And when someone is baptized into Christ, we enter into the oneness and unity of the Holy Spirit and are grafted and formed into his body, the body of Christ, which is a church, with specific functions and spiritual works that we are expected to do. So a church and individual members of it that quenches the Spirit's fire, they're going to be a church that suffers from a lack of unity. Your job as a disciple of Jesus 
is to invest in the church body and your relationship with God at such a level that your spiritual gifts will be discovered. Your gifts will be channeled and crafted and pruned and grown into the fullest expression of God's desire for you and for the church you are a part of. All baptized into one spirit. When a person is baptized, you have a part that you play. And God has a part that he plays. So I think you can talk about our baptism as a humble act of obedience, a necessary act of our obedience. And yet this doesn't diminish that your baptism, my baptism, is also a grace that we have received. And so when a person repents and is baptized, the grace given to us through the Holy Spirit includes spiritual gifts, gift or gifts, as well as becoming a part of the body of Christ. And this is something that God does. That means it's something that largely we don't get to manage and control. (coughs) Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. We all know that the parts of our body don't look the same. This does not look the same as this. There's differences. Our our diversity of roles, abilities, talents, these are a strength for us. They strengthen the body. And not only are our roles diverse in a special way, in this place, we become mutually dependent on one another. I know that's a tough pill for independent Oregon. We need each other. And we need what is happening in this body to help us become the fullest expression of who we're meant to be in the Lord. A nose isn't just a nose for the nose's sake. A nose helps the whole body with things. A hand isn't just a hand for the hand's sake, floating around doing things but it helps the whole body when it's connected to a body. Now, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So first off, Just because you may or may not fully understand your gift or your role in this church, it doesn't make make it true that your place and your part that you need to play is unimportant. To a church that is just sitting around looking at things, a foot may... But when it's time to move and get up and go somewhere, how important is a foot then? be kind of hard not to have a foot on a body if you have somewhere to move and something to do. So Paul uses this analogy to help encourage those who are timid, to encourage brothers and sisters uh, in Christ who may have been neglected or feel overlooked or feel undervalued. Sometimes I've been that person feeling that myself. So by way of immediate application, we can ask a question of this church body. 
How good a job are we doing at protecting and the weak, the meek, the humble, and the timid members of this congregation? And the members of it develop. Are we investing in each other at that level? It's just a good question to ask. But in fact, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, but one body, verse 18 through 20. Why are you here? Why are you here? What brings you to this place? A a friendship? An affiliation with the churches of Christ? Maybe you like in-depth expository preaching. Maybe you like study and knowing the objective truth of the Bible. Maybe you're here because people have been kind and friendly to you. Maybe you've experienced a level of loving relationships you've not found other places. Maybe you're here because of the coercion of family members twisting your arm. I don't know. Hey, get up. Wake up. Come on. Get your life right. We got to go. The Lord, He knows. And He's able to use all of that. Some of these things may be true, but... We think that we are the ones steering the ship, so to speak. And yet, God works in a special way in your individual life and circumstances that He's brought us all together this day. We're here today together. God had a hand in that, Paul is saying. Each one has a place. The church we have is the church that God has made us into. And Paul's argument is that the part you play in this church, you may think you're, you're, you're steering the car, but it's due to God. God putting us together, God placing us together. We have been arranged as God wills. So if I say something that you don't like, in a sermon and, uh, or wherever, and uh, it upsets you. And you can say, Calvin, he's, he's this, that, or the other. And Calvin, and he's preaching hate. Calvin, whatever. And then you're upset so much that you leave this place. You may feel like you're in control, but are you really? You may feel like you are essential to this body. You're an important part of it. Boy, they would really fall apart if I wasn't there. Can you imagine the mess that church would be in if I was not a part of that church? Maybe you're here in the Eugene area for a job, and really it's your job that has the priority over what church that you're a part of. We're here because we need this income and this livelihood and... It just happens that this is the church that we found in this area, and when the job changes and we move on, it'll be a different church. And yet somehow you're here today. 
well, I'm here for now, but as soon as this church starts heading in a direction that I'm not comfortable with and I don't like, well, then I'm out of here. And yet God has been at work because here you are with us today. And maybe you feel like Eugene and this church, it's just a transitional place until my real life gets going. Maybe you even feel a sense of being stuck here in this place or this area until you get to your real job or your real mission field or your real ministry or until you find a church that really does things right, where you really belong, that really values you properly. And it feels like you're running the show But are you really? See, in many ways, the body of Christ, us gathered as a church, it's not a problem for you to manage and control. It's a gift for us to receive because God has been at work arranging us together. And what a strange mix he has put together in this place, let me say as one of the chief nuts of this congregation. Do you feel like you're being judged? Do you feel like people are kind of looking at you? You feel uncomfortable as maybe a part of this place? Have you been made to feel unwelcome? Do you look or feel different than others around you? If God himself has had a part in placing you here, none of the rest of that matters. And on the other end of that, do you think it's your job to influence or manage or say who gets to be a part of this church or not? Well, they don't look right or they don't act right or they don't do right. They're not the sort that we want around here. Do you really think you know better than the creator and the sustainer of the universe? Your job and my job is to fix our eyes on Jesus, to move toward Jesus. And as as we together start moving toward Jesus, we're going to notice that there are other people moving toward Jesus as well. And we'll discover that I have something to offer them and they have something to offer me and we need each other in a special way and we begin to recognize Christ in that person and they begin to see Christ in us the hope of glory and when we get that right when we are so fixed on the Lord that it all becomes about Jesus we're not going to struggle with getting along We're not going to struggle with unity because the Holy Spirit has moved us to a different place and he's holding us together. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, 
and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So in Paul's metaphor of the church as a human body, not only are the timid encouraged, but simultaneously the prideful and the arrogant are being humbled. You ever been in that place where you just think, we just don't need, they, they need to not be here. They're, they're a problem. See, the problem of the church in Corinth was that some of them were judging themselves to be more important than others, while others were being pushed to the periphery and being judged as less important. Well, we, we all know who the real pillars are around here, the real important ones. You might be a proud nose, but if you cut a nose off a body, that body is going to lose some functionality, maybe. It will look a little bit strange, but the body will survive and the body will adapt. But what happens to the cut-off nose without a body? It no longer serves a function. It's just a pile of rotting flesh. And you can be as prideful as you want about your role and your importance in this place. I'm a special nose. I, I'm a special nose. Don't you know that I'm a super sniffer? And I'm going to take my super sniffer someplace where they really appreciate me. I'm going to take my super sniffer nose to a body that doesn't have so much B.O., because I just can't stand it anymore here. And then you remove yourself from the body. Without me, they won't be able to smell the roses. Without me, they'll never know when they need to start using deodorant. But tell me, friend, what sense does a nose make if it has no body? And sometimes we treat the church, we treat the body of Christ like this toy. Do you guys know what this toy is? I don't know how this toy has sold, made so much money over such a strange little thing. It's a Mr. Potato Head. And we treat the body of Christ like a Mr. Potato Head sometimes, always switching bodies, constantly looking for a better deal. I'm going to go be a part of... This body smells better. This body looks better. This body will really appreciate me. And you're just like, boop. And that speaks to where your heart is. Have you really ever invested in a church where, a, where you come to a place and a level where it would hurt for you to be removed and it would be painful for you to be somewhere else? And... And sometimes it does happen to us, and it's very painful. And I would say that the church is hurt. But I think a lot of times the people who suffer the most, who remove themselves from the body, are those who, who go away for whatever reason. And it breaks my heart. And I'm some of the problems sometimes, and I'm powerless to fix it all the time. And yet the Lord 
has had a part in putting us together. You know, if you're living the Mr. Potato Head kind of form of spirituality, constantly looking for the better deal, you're never going to be really invested and dialed in to a level that you're going to be able to do much good. Mr. Potato Head is not the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. The kind of behavior of Mr. Potato Head just switching things out, looking for the better deal, never really invested or dialed in, uh, just looking for your next feeding opportunity. That sounds more like a parasite kind of behavior than the way that the body of Christ is supposed to work. God, God knows what he's up to. I don't get to control it. I don't always see it. I don't always understand why he brings who he brings. And yet, I think it's a beautiful thing. God has put the body together. God has put the body together. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Do you recognize that God chooses who gets to be here? How are you doing at honoring other members of this body? Do you have equal concern for the other members of this body? Are you close enough to other members that their pain becomes your pain? Are you close enough that their joy becomes your joy? The Holy Spirit is a bridge that allows that to happen. And uh, I was just thinking about this today, that... Uh, uh, I, I got a text, and uh, Karen Burdick is struggling with health issues. And she has been for a long time. And she's in need of all of our prayers and for the concerns of this church. Some of you guys have been going through significant health challenges. And we need each other. Uh, I think about what the Pruitt family is going through. That suffering, it becomes part of our suffering as a church. What the heaters went through with Bree, I still think about that all the time. Uh, what Denise is going through now with the loss of her dad. Are we close enough that we feel that pain too? And sometimes you think, I just, I've got enough of my own drama. I don't want to add that to it. I don't need that. And yet that's our strength. Because that level of intimacy, it's not just about sharing each other's burdens. It's about building our faith and sharing our hopes and our dreams and our lives with each other too. And together, we get, we're not so distracted by our stuff anymore. 
because we're just looking at the Lord and he gets bigger and bigger and more beautiful and more glorious and we are just pulled into him more and more. That is the potential of a healthy body that's intimate enough that we share each other's pain and we share each other's joy. And that's what we're being invited to. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kind of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? A whole series of rhetorical questions to help bring home this point of the variety of roles that we place in the body. A variety of gifts. And uh, if there is some kind of form of ranking in these gifts, it's only with these first three because the first, second, and third uh, are mentioned, all have to do with some way uh, with the ministry of the Word. And ministries of the Word are going to be more necessary to the establishment and ongoing health of a church body. These are, these are things that the Lord really finds a way for a church to have these aspects uh, involved there. Um, are all, are, uh, and I would say all of these roles are roles of service, and the value of them, if there is a value ranking, is tied to how they are building up the body. And so Paul can talk about desiring the greater gift of prophecy or over the gift of tongues in terms of its usefulness to the church. And at the same time, he's not saying that the person who has this gift is more important than the person who has another gift. There's a distinction there. So we have important roles to play, and some of those roles have specific functions, and we get specific honors for those roles. And other roles are more public, and other more roles are more private. That doesn't mean the preacher is more important than the person cleaning the bathrooms. Do you get that? We all have a role to play, but ministries of the Word, the Lord finds ways for those roles to be filled, I, I see. Um, so let me say a word about some of those roles to close this morning. Uh, apostles, some apostles. Um, we think apostles, we think one of the twelve, and there was a formal role of apostles, but there were also people who serve an apostolic role in churches, um, because that word just means a messenger, or you could even translate that as a church planter, a missionary kind of role. Um, and churches, when they're getting going, they need that help of that role to start new churches. A prophet, uh, we've talked a little bit about this, speaks the word that is needed in that moment. A special word for dealing with a specific circumstance in the moment. 
A prophetic role would use spiritual gifts of wisdom and knowledge together with scriptures to speak those scriptures to an immediate need in the congregation in a way that gives guidance. So someone who's in that prophetic role, they would have to have a very in-depth and thorough knowledge of the scriptures, I would say. A teaching role has to do more with the ongoing equipping and education of the body to help the body be uh, do and uh, function in the way that it's supposed to. And Paul ends this way. And Jim, you can come up because this is my last point, this last little verse. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And this is the beginning of chapter 13. And it's that highlight of the Corinthian letter, 1 Corinthians. We know what chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians talks about, don't we? Love. Love. All the problems that the church in Corinth was facing, all of the problems that we face, in some way or another, it all comes down to and has to do with a failure to love, to love as God intends us to love. See, when we get love right, love undoes a spiritual pecking order. When you're in love, love saves us from comparing. Well, what about me? Am I getting my fair share? That's not a question motivated by love. Love can rejoice in the gifts and talents of other people without being envious and jealous of them. It does not envy, it does not boast. Love helps heal us from our blindness, our habitual blindness to the pain of other people and the challenges others are facing. Love opens our lives to see others more clearly. Love fixes our hearts and focuses on the giver rather than the goodies that he gives. You get that? We're not all arguing over who gets what gift. With love, we're just fixed, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ and we are in awe of him. Love moves us away in that sense of us versus them scenarios. Well, that person, they're the real problem in this church, and love moves us away from that. Love undoes clicks. Love breaks apart prejudice. Love moves us to value the wonderful variety of gifts that exist here. Love also helps us choose the truth of God over the values of this culture. That is also a function of love. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love, in the end, it helps us daily to take up our cross and follow the example in the footsteps of Jesus. Love will help you become more like Jesus. And that is the only thing strong enough to be called the most excellent way.
the most excellent way. Well, we'll get into that more this next week. Uh, We always offer an invitation in this church uh, for those who are ready to put on Christ in baptism, for those that would need uh, the prayers of this church body. Um, If there's some way we can help you or serve you, I'll be up here up front and you can come and uh, talk to me about what we can do to help you as a church as we stand and sing together. Hark the gentle voice.